Genesis 1. Obviously, you can't turn there in your New Testament. So we're going to have to think of some creative ways to have the Bible ready on these sorting conversations. I don't recommend carrying a whole Bible. It, it can be intimidating. So we'll have to work on that. But as we go through the game plan, what we're going to do is slowly go through each of the verses listed on here. And I have two goals uh, for these lessons. One, I want us to really investigate together and kind of begin to see the wonder of the gospel and just stand in awe of this good news that we get to proclaim. In Romans 11, verse 33, and the Apostle Paul has been uh, delineating this gospel truth in this logical flow. And when he gets to Romans 11, he's kind of finished his summation of it all. And then he's going to uh, turn to more practical matters. And here's how he kind of uh, finishes it off, this summary of the gospel. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And there's an exclamation point. And if you've read your Bible very long, you know that those are very rare in Scripture. And so uh, perhaps uh, the Apostle Paul jumped up from his desk and he yelled this and exclaimed it. He was so excited and he said, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And then in verse 36, he says, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And when the Apostle Paul got down thinking about the gospel and writing about it, he couldn't contain his excitement. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And my prayer is that through this series of lessons, the Lord would do that same thing in our hearts, that we would just uh, behold in wonder this glorious gospel. And then the second goal is to really whet your appetite to study the gospel for yourself and to really take these verses on your own and go through them slowly and meditate on gospel truth. One thing that we have to be very careful of, uh, those of us who've been in church a long time, is we can kind of grow inoculated or, or so familiar with these truths that uh, we lose the wonder of them and maybe we even become lackadaisical in our study of the scriptures, uh, but we don't want to do that. So I'd like to whet your appetite to really search the scriptures and study this gospel for yourself as well. But here in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, this is how the Bible story begins. And often with people in our city, this is the best place to begin as well because they may not have any prior Bible knowledge. And so Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And a few things we can learn and be reminded of from this verse and keep in mind when we're sharing the gospel is that God always comes first. God always comes first. I like how uh, Dr. Sexton puts it, God is always previous. God is always previous. And so when we're sharing the gospel with a willing listener, now that's key. Sometimes you can't start off for God so loved the world if they don't even want to listen to you yet. Uh, sometimes you got to uh, start with something that they're interested in and then bring the conversation around to God. Uh, but we must start with God and, and not man. And I, I've loved watching Pastor Micaiah share the gospel. He starts in Genesis and starts with who God is. Because the gospel is God's story that he has so lovingly and kindly invited us to take part in. Uh, but the gospel is primarily about him and for his glory. That's why Paul calls it the gospel of God. 
And uh, too often, gospel presentations are, are far too man-centered, and they don't give God the glory that he deserves. Another thing Genesis 1 run reminds us of is that God's existence, as it's laid out in Scripture, is an assumed fact. It's an assumed fact. God does not argue for his existence. And when we are out soul winning, especially in a postmodern world, in a, a pluralistic world, in a, a world that has been plagued by evolutionary theory, we are not going out primarily as apologists where we have to argue for the existence of God. We are, we are seeking out people who are willing to listen and we are declaring to them the gospel in plainest terms. And we do not have to argue for God's existence. Now, there may come a point where we have to answer questions that are genuinely uh, causing people an inner struggle. And, and we are told to be ready to, to give an answer to every man. But please be reminded when you're out today and when you're out soul winning, everyone has an inner witness to the fact that there is a God. Paul made this very clear in Romans 1.20. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And Pastor Bonner talked about this. You're not going to find any village anywhere that doesn't have some kind of concept of God. And so we don't have to be intimidated by people who claim to not believe in God or claim to believe in another God. Uh, there's an inner witness inside that there's a God. And the Bible just comes right out and says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And his existence is an assumed fact. Another thing we learned from Genesis 1.1 is that heaven takes precedence over earth. Heaven takes precedence over earth. And because we are living in this era that has been so affected by uh, this evolutionary thinking, a lot of the people that we encounter don't believe in an afterlife. And I was actually at the Vancouver Library yesterday and saw a book on a shelf and it, uh, it's, uh, the title was Heavens on Earth, The Scientific Search uh, for the Afterlife. It was an interesting book, but one point that they make in that volume is that if there is no heaven, then human existence is meaningless. It's totally meaningless. And when we're, when we're confronting people with the gospel, we need to get them to see that, that if there is no heaven, if there is nothing after this life, then it's all really futile and pointless. And that's really the conclusion that Solomon came to in Ecclesiastes. And so heaven takes precedence over earth. That is why sharing the gospel is so vital. Now, at the beginning of the gospel conversation, once we've got on the subject and once we've um, determined that they are willing to listen and they're interested uh, on the game plan, we start off with that first phrase from John three sixteen: for God so loved the world. And so there are two main things we're trying to accomplish at the beginning of the, go- uh, the gospel conversation. We're trying to show them who God is and who we were created to be, who God is and who we were created to be. And quite simply, we're, we're, we're showing them from Genesis 1 that the creator is a triune God of love. The creator is a triune God of love. Triune means he's one in three. He's one in three. We call that the Trinity. So we're trying to explain that God, the creator is a triune God of love. And then we're explaining that he created us as human beings to enjoy life in his family. He created us to enjoy life in his family. So here in Genesis 1, 26, and we're, 
we want to memorize this so that we can be ready to share these verses even if we don't have a Bible on hand. But it says in Genesis 1.26, And God said... So that's a singular verb. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So from the very first page of the Bible, God is being introduced as, as, as a, a community of sorts. Let us, so there's multiple persons, but then it's one God. So from the first page of the Bible, the Trinity is being introduced, that God is this uh, already existing community of love, and that he created us to enjoy life in his family. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then he goes on. So a couple things from this. In 2024, if you're going to read any, uh, any kind of spiritual book, if, if you could put this at the top of your list of books to read, it's called Delighting in the Trinity. Delighting in the Trinity. And Michael Reeves does a phenomenal job showing that the, the Trinity is not a doctrine to be afraid of or to be ashamed of or feel like we have to kind of work our way around. It's a very core of Christianity and it's something uh, to cherish. It's, it's what makes our God distinct. And what he points out in that, um, in that book is that because God, before the creation of the world, already existed in this community of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, his motivation for creating human beings is not to fulfill any, any need in himself because he was totally sufficient. He was totally satisfied. He was totally blessed within this community of love that already existed between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so his motivation for creating human beings isn't to fulfill some need it's not because he needs slaves. It's not that he needs fellowship. He already has that within himself. But his motivation for creating us is that of love. To let us share in and enjoy the community of love that already existed in himself. And this is a, a beautiful aspect of the gospel. And so God created us to enjoy this life in his family that already existed before the foundation of the world. Um, and then part of being in his family, there are uh, two positions that we enjoy, two positions that we enjoy. And this is what God intended for humanity from the very beginning. Number one, that of cherished children. So we're explaining to people, hey, this is who God is, a triune God of love. And he created you to be his cherished, his beloved child. In Genesis 1.26, he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And you know the next mention of those words that's not referring to God is in Genesis 5.3, where it says this, and Adam lived in 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. You know, a lot of people get hung up on what exactly does it mean to be created in God's image and God's likeness? Well, there are a lot of things that we could talk about regarding that. Uh, but I believe the usage of these words in the first few chapters of Genesis makes it very clear that what is being communicated is that God created us to be his children, made it in his image after his likeness. You know, you think of uh, sons, I've been told um, often by people who went to college with my dad and they, they met me maybe at Bible college and they've told me, wow, 
you talk just like your dad or you, you look just like their dad. That's years after not seeing my dad and being around me. Why is that? Because I'm, I'm made in his image, in his likeness. I have traits from him. And I believe that is what God intended when he created human beings to be his children, cherished children. In Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 6, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. That is what God intends for us, that we would be his children. And, and just like Christ, Uh, inherits all that his father has, just like a son inherits his father's wealth. God wants us to be joint heirs with Christ and enjoy all spiritual blessings as his children. So we were created to be cherished children. And then lastly, and we'll close with this, we are created to be reigning representatives, reigning representatives. So here in, in, in Genesis 1, he keeps going on and he says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And earlier he says, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And so God intended for us to reign over this world on his behalf as his image bearers, as his representatives. And he intended for us to populate the earth with images of himself. And the gospel is the story of how God, through his son Jesus, is restoring humanity to his original design for us. He's bringing us back into his family. He's uh, putting us back into his kingdom so that one day we can rule with Christ. He's giving us this ministry of reconciliation where as his representatives, we go throughout the earth and we're trying to populate the earth with more image bearers. And so the gospel is this beautiful story of how God is seeking to restore us to his original design for humanity. And we want people to see from the beginning that God is a God of love and that he has always only wanted what was best for us. The first human beings, he said, enjoy the earth, rule over it, populate it, enjoy being in my family, enjoy fellowship with one another, that is a reflection of the fellowship I have within the Trinity. Wow, this is the gospel. And uh, next week we're going to get into how sin messed everything up and then how Jesus uh, restores us to God's original intention. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you for this wonderful gospel. And we pray that you'd help us not to take it for granted or to help us to really meditate on these truths that before the world began, even though you knew how much we would fail you, even though we knew, you knew uh, how much we would spurn your love, how ungrateful we would be, how selfish, how proud, that you still, knowing all of that, chose us to be your children and sent your son into the world to redeem us. And Father, we pray that you'd help us this week as we're reading our Bibles, uh, that we would watch for these gospel themes. And oh, we thank you that you never have given up on us and you've always been intent on bringing us back into this wonderful relationship with yourself. And please help us as we go out this morning to to have some of that wonder in our hearts and people would see it on our faces that this is real to us. And we do pray that you would give us divine appointments 
prepare the way for us to speak to someone today. We pray that every group would have a fruitful gospel conversation. Please bless our follow-up visits as well. Lord, without you, we can do nothing. So please go before us and go with us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.